everyone. Welcome to Shadow on the Water. Here's Mike Nolan. So, hello everybody. Uh, Happy Feast Day. Today is May 13th. Um, This is a an anniversary of Our Lady of Fatima, and I'm super excited that I get to record this podcast today because Our Lady um, totally embodies what I want to talk about, obviously. So welcome to Shadow on the Water. Um, we uh, This is a new ministry that's launching. It's been in the works and been gestating and being uh, the inspiration and the growth and uh, the drawing together of those who um, just kind of the team um, it's all been this work of the Holy Spirit and it's been coinciding and converging in the most miraculous way. So I'm just super excited to, to be here and to talk to you and to uh, just be a part of all this shadow in the water is a, is an important, important movement here. The Lord wants to teach us about ourselves. And when we know who we are in him, we know who he is. We know who we are. We're going to change the world. The world is yearning. Creation is pining for the revelation of the children of God. And uh, that's basically what's going to happen here. And the good Lord is uh, just doing movements to restore us to our um, identity so we can kind of take hold of that which we've already received. It's, It's a big it's a huge paradigm shift for us in the church, but I'd like to just ex- ex- explain what is shadow on the water? What does it mean? There's this word in Hebrew called uh, tselem. It's tzari lamed mem, tselem, and it means image. So when uh, God created man and woman, he created us in the image and likeness of God. In his image, he created them. Tselem in the Hebrew scriptures. Tzadi lamed mem. Tselem. And uh, I've been, you know, this word, this, um, this, this Hebrew word that, you know, uh, comes from another time and another place and another sort of way of seeing the world, another way of seeing ourselves in the world. Um, the ancients had their perspective. And Hebrew is this beautiful language that kind of reflects, um, if you want to look into it, it, it's kind of divinely um, touched, like the Holy Spirit touched this language and blessed it and blessed the development of the letters, uh, blessed the uh, development of words and phonemes and transients and uh, formants and all the things that, that create the fullness of language and how it is represented in a non-acoustic medium like uh, the written word. So uh, there's a whole mysticism to the Aleph Bet and uh, how God is revealed uh, in the the Hebrew alphabet or the Aleph Bet. And um, the the Jews actually have mystical um, interpretations and it's very beautiful. And there's a, there's looking at Hebrew through the Christian lens. Wow. Does it just explode with life? But um, I'm just going to explain this word tzalem, to you. And I oftentimes on this uh, podcast, I'll be referring to Hebrew words from the Hebrew scripture. 
if we want to know who we are, this word is critical for us. It's part of the uh, first creation story. Selim, he made us in his image. And it, here, scripture is saying, this is who you are. I, I can't think of anything more important than this for us. The implications for us are huge. Who are you? you know, I'm in my 40s. It's a dangerous thing to walk up to somebody and say, who are you? It, when they're in their when they reach their 40s, they say like what your your brain kind of changes the plasticity of your brain kind of goes through a little shift. Um, the the coping mechanisms you formed when you were younger that kind of worked up until this point they kind of fall away and they just don't work anymore. So you have a little bit of a crisis. There's also this sort of social crisis that you go through with um, comparing yourself to the rest of the world and how things are supposed to be, if, if you understand what I'm saying. You may look at others and this sort of dream that we have for like early retirement, or we should be headed towards some kind of life of comfort and having a really nice portfolio and things should be in order, you know, in your life. And you're, that's what we think. And if you compare yourself to that, that model, you see that your life is not set up that way. Most people know. Some people, yes. I'm not sure it really makes them happy, but um, this is a modern convention. This is something from the last hundred years, you know, this sort of like idea that life begins at 40, you know, like um, when your kids are growing up and they're leaving, then you can kind of just do your own thing. And that's where you're going to find your satisfaction is going to find your fulfillment. It's not true. Fulfillment is in Jesus. Fulfillment is in, um, in relationship with the Lord and relationship with each other. It's in communion, communion of persons. It's in relationship. It's in uh, your heart being able to give and receive love freely. That's where fulfillment comes. We're made from love and we're made for love. And it's not a portfolio. Portfolio can't do that for you. Retirement, a nice retirement or a, a big, huge savings account or some kind of trust fund, you know, winning the lottery. I don't know, whatever you want to put your, uh, your hopes and dreams in. That does not unchain the heart. And that's where our grief is. All of our grief is because we're these, these heart machines that are made from love and made for love. Even atheistic uh, psychologists would, would agree. That's where a healthy functioning person comes from is when they are really formed in love. And um, we're headed toward love. And our desire is our hearts are made to just like receive what St. Philip Neri said, put a little love in their heart and the rest will follow. Why? Because hearts are made to receive love and then respond with love. We're just like love machines. Why? Because we're made in the image of our Father in heaven, who is love itself. So I just want to explain to you this word, tzalem, image. It's very important for who we are. It has everything to do with the Father because we are made in his image. So um, uh, let me just uh, dive into it here. So tell them, if you, if you can put yourself, and this is my own interpretation. I've sat with this in prayer and I've let it metabolize, kind of like 
Our Lady would keep these things in her heart and ponder over them. Well, the Holy Spirit would break things open for her over time. He would reveal to her um, God, his, his, inter his intention with all mystery is to reveal it to us over time through relationship. Jesus himself said, he said, nothing is hidden except to come into the light. Nothing is secret except to be made known. It'll be in secret now will be broadcast from the rooftops. It's true. Um, uh, even um, and uh, in a later podcast, I can't wait to tell you about some of the history. I'm sorry, some of the uh, Hebrew on being naked without shame and those Hebrew words and what they actually mean. It, um, anyway, mystery is not meant to be kept a mystery. God wants to reveal everything to us. And he says it in scripture. Um, but over time and through relationship, through trust, trusting in him and allowing him to be the one who reveals. He reveals. We cannot grasp it. We cannot just take it. Our lady knew that and she let it ponder in her heart. You know, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at, but took human likeness, emptied himself, took human likeness and became obedient. He became, he trusted the father in his human um, journey here. When he, in incarnation, he trusted the father and allowed the father to reveal. Because remember he says in John 5, the son does nothing but what he sees the father doing. So he just allowed the father to reveal it over time. He, he modeled for us what it is to be in that kind of relationship and let God be the one to re reveal. So there's times where Jesus was surprised. He was surprised at the lack of faith in, in his hometown. He was amazed at the faith of the centurion. It says he was amazed. There's a, there's a dimension there of being surprised. Think about that. Unbelievable. So Jesus, he lived in this sort of life of trust. And what does St. Paul say? He like learned through obedience, through obedience. Um, and what does it say in Luke? He, he, he grew in wisdom and stature or favor in the eyes of men and God. Why? Because he went with them and was obedient to them. He allowed it to be unpacked over time. And for us to trust the Father, to chew on these things, to let it metabolize in your heart. So important. Okay, so tell them image. What, what does that mean? It means image. Um, and we're headed towards this idea of this ministry called shadow on the water. Why is it called shadow on the water? Well, let's, as, I met, as I sat with this, this word image and let the father kind of unpack it for me, it took over a year and it took a lot of, um, a lot of formation and a lot of like, it's like all these different um, vectors in my life were converging and revealing a single and beautiful thing as the Lord was renewing my identity. Tselen, tselem, sorry, tzari lamed mem, uh, image, made in the image of God. Let's put ourselves into the mind of the ancients. Hebrew thought was the way that they think is different from like the Greeks. The Greeks were uh, more, um, how do I say it, more esoteric or more like uh, thoughts and could be separated from the time and place in which you were sitting, you know, right where you're sitting and what you're doing. 
you could these conjectures on um, like there's more lofty and less tangible kind of way of thinking it's very beautiful but the hebrews and i'm not doing a great job explaining that but hebrew the ancient hebrews were much more tied to like action for instance this is the way i've seen it explained and i think this really helps if you were to put um a cow a horse and a swallow in um and uh group together and say, which one of these does not belong? Well, we would say the bird, right? But the ancient Hebrew would say, actually, the cow, because they're much more tied to action. A horse and a uh, swallow or a swift, I should say, that kind of bird's called, we call them a swift, um, are, have almost the exact same name in Hebrew. It's sus and sis. So um, and I, and, you know, you can call in or you can come find me and say, Hey, your pronunciation is completely wrong. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I don't even speak Hebrew. <laughs> I, I can say some prayers in Hebrew and I, I just love the words. I spend a lot of time with the Hebrew scripture and the lexicon, but I am not some, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not an authority, but it's the same word. It's spelled almost identically the same because it, the word actually means to be swift. So a horse and a swallow are, their action is very swift. And so they are, their name is all um, very, very, uh, are etymologically related. And the cow is the one that wouldn't belong because he, his action isn't the same. So they think very much, um, I mean, think of Jesus saying, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. This is like good ancient Hebrew thought. Like what you are, who you are and what you do should be one integrated thing. It's funny that we even have this, like you'll, you'll hear in a homily, a priest will uh, say something like, you know, we're human beings, not human doings. And it's so true. A huge part of identity is um, realizing you're holy because of who you are, not because of what you do. You can't do something to become holy. Paul, um, you, yes, uh, Jesus makes us holy. For our part, it's a response. You know, the response is, like water baptism and, and faith. But it's God who makes us holy. And uh, he gives us his holiness. He made us holy to begin with. And we're the ones who we, we have ruptured it through sin. But um, he restores it. We're rescued by Jesus. But um, God, like for us, we it's funny that we have to have that broken conversation. It's like, oh yeah, it's, it's because of who I am, not because of what I do. Because we're so broken between who we are and what we do. It's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be integrated. Who, who we are, our being, and our doing are supposed to be one integrated thing. What I do flows from who I am. It should be that way. But we're so broken. We're duplicitous. We, we are one thing. We profess one thing. And then we do another. Think about St. Paul says that about himself. Remember that, that great scripture. I'm not going to quote it now, but... Um, you know, that I do the thing I do not want to do. <laughs> so this idea of uh, the ancients thinking like um, in terms of action, like it's a no brainer. You know, if I'm a son of the father, then I go about the father's business. That's what I do. It just flows naturally from who I am. So I'm going to just kind of go back into this word, Selim. I keep getting on these little tangents, but hey, the good Lord keeps bringing me back to my point. So let's bear with me here. So Selim, we have this uh, beautiful word for shadow on the water it means image tell them image 
but it is almost a word picture of shadow on the water. And this is why. Imagine an ancient, uh, um, uh, ancient man kind of bending over the ground and seeing his shadow. He sees in his shadow himself. He sees sort of his outline, right? His dimensions. It mimics his movements. However, in between the lines, you know, uh, in, in between the border is nondescript. There are no features. It's just black or just shaded, right? So there's his shadow. It, there's something of himself in it, but um, it's nondescript. Now imagine an ancient bending over the water and he sees a reflection. In his mind, it's still a shadow, right? It's the same thing because he sees his outline that mimics him and does everything he does on the water. However, now it has features. Now he sees much more of himself in the shadow. He sees himself in the shadow. And this word, tzalem, means image. The, there's a two-letter word in Hebrew, tzel, tzari lamed, and that means shadow. For instance, begay tzel mevet, in the shadow, I'm sorry, in the valley of shadow death. Tzel mevet, shadow death. Tzel means shadow. Mem is water. Mayim is waters. Hebrew. The letter mem descends from a pictogram of waves of water. My theory is that's you know it's the grandfather of the uh, the uh, Latin M, and that's why our M looks like that. It looks like waves of water. And uh, you know, linguist, you can come and call me up and fight me on that, but um, it it makes a lot of sense. And mem actually does uh, you know the, the ancients in, had what three thousand plus pictograms and. From what I understand, that was sort of weeded down into 22 Hebrew letters, but they actually are descend from pictograms. So you have tzel, which means shadow, and mem, which is water. Tzelem, shadow on the water. Tzelem is image. So the ancient man, he's bending over the water. His shadow on the water is his image. He sees himself in it. So let's think about the father. Um, you know, we are sensitive. We, we as humans, we're sensitive to um, when we see ourselves in someone else. It can do, you can have two reactions. You can um, see yourself in someone and it can really upset you. A lot of times when someone really bothers you, you'll discover, like somebody who really grates on your nerves, you'll discover that they have qualities that you have that you don't like about yourself. They touch something in you that where you have some self-condemnation and you, you may not know why you're like, I don't know why, but that person drives me crazy. <laughs> and when you pray into it, you'll discover, my gosh, it's because that's a quality that I hate about myself. So we're sensitive to that on the conversely, like you can uh, see someone who has qualities about you that you like, and when you see it in them, it attracts you to that person. It draws you closer to that person. You, 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 you like that person. Um, so there's something about seeing yourself in the other. 
let's look at some scripture. First Samuel 16. God says to Je uh, to Samuel, go to the house of Jesse. I'm paraphrasing. I don't have a Bible in front of me. Go to the house of Jesse, for there I have found a man after my own heart. He saw himself in uh, David. He saw himself in David. Isn't that beautiful? So, and that attracted him to David. Uh, think about this. When Adam was brought, was created, he was brought around the garden to, uh, all, to all the animals and in order to find a suitable mate. But he couldn't find one because what, what God said it is not good that he is alone. It's the first thing that was not good. Adam was, was alone. He, he failed in and of himself. Adam then is put to sleep and Eve is, or his rib is taken and God forms Eve. And then what does he say when he finds Eve? He says, when he sees her, when he wakes Adam up, he's, Eve is presented to him. He says, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He sees himself in her. He sees his rib in her. He's getting his rib back. There's this, he, uh, it, it draws him toward her like rocket engines, right? Um, uh, think of this when the father looks down on Jesus when Jesus is baptized. In Matthew chapter three, he says, um, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. He sees himself in Jesus. This is my son. Think of your children. You see yourself in them. They look like you. They have a lot of your very minute um, mannerisms, little tiny things you'll see. You'll see these little tiny movements or um, facial gestures or thing. and be like, whoa, it reminds me of your dad or your mom. You know, um, the father saw himself in Jesus. So you imagine the father looking down, um, bending over the upper waters. Remember that the, the upper waters are separated from the lower waters. Imagine him looking down through the water and he sees this, his shadow, quote unquote, and it has features and it's doing the things he's doing. And that's us. We are his image, his shadow on the water. Um, think about, um, this, is what, this is why today's day is such a beautiful day. Uh, it's May 13th. John Paul II was bending over a little, he was hugging a little girl who was dressed as Our Lady of Fatima when the assassin pulled the trigger in 1981. Think of the image there. You know, what was the enemy coming against? He was coming against this, the father, symbolizing John Paul II, overshadowing Our Lady. Remember, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you profound it's this image there's this little girl dressed as our lady of fatima and then john paul ii bent over her to hug her bent over to hug her that's why the assassin didn't shoot him in the head it saved john paul ii he fired and um just fired at him and uh you know john paul ii himself said one hand i think he said this one hand pulled the trigger another hand guided the bullet because the bullet, the one that entered into his midsection, changed directions in his soft tissue.
praise the Lord. But imagine if he had been standing up, he had been shot in the head, it had been over. So this beautiful image of the father overshadowing our lady. And that's what the enemy in communism wants to destroy. He wants to destroy us and who we are. He wants to destroy our identity. Think about this. You, as a shadow on the water, you, as you stand exactly where you are right now, you're a shadow, and there's something casting that shadow. It's invisible to us. We can't see it, but it's the presence of God. He is there overshadowing you because you are a baptized, redeemed, rescued person. You have Jesus living in you through the Holy Spirit. So as, as the Father is bending over you, he's seeing, what, is, what does he see? He sees himself in his, in, in his shadow on the water, which is you. What do other people see when they look at you? They see him as well. You're his image. He sees himself in you. Other people see him in you. That's the fullness of our identity. Um, in scripture, it says that he's refining us like silver. From what I understand, the process of refining silver requires the person doing it to bend over the silver and they know to stop the process of refining that it's pure when they can see their reflection in it. So God is refining us so that more and more we reflect him, more and more he's able to see himself in us and others are able to see him in us. Imagine that, isn't that wild? You, you are a shadow on the water. You are um, this image of God that is, makes God present. The catechism says this, it says it, uh, I think it's in um, two, uh, paragraph 2085, if I can pull it up. Yeah, here it is. It says, the one and true God first reveals his glory to Israel. The revelation of the vocation and truth of man is linked to the revelation of God. Our vocation, okay, and our, the truth of man is linked to the revelation of God. We are to reveal God. Our vocation is to reveal him. The next sentence, man's vocation is to make God manifest by acting in conformity with his creation in the image and likeness of God. Profound. That's our vocation. Our vocation is to make God present. So this is just, you know, this, this idea of shadow on the water. Tselem, uh, the word picture tselem, tsel, shadow, mem, water, shadow on the water. Tselem in Hebrew means image. You are made in his image. What I, this, uh, this whole ministry, shadow on the water, and is, um, uh, you know, imagine Our Lady, who is overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and then what does she do? Um, she goes to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth says, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come into my house? For the moment your greeting reached my ears, the babe within me leapt for joy. Our Lady's response, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. I make God present because she is a pure, refined, you know, she uh, 
had no sin. So she is immaculately conceived. She is, um, she's just the fullness of that. And it all comes from Jesus. It all, you know, it's like his, his, the grace of the cross went back in time for her to be able to be immaculately conceived. And she is a gate of heaven. God becomes present when she's in the room. And that's a model for you. You are to be exactly that so that when you walk in the room, God is in the room. So that the re- that's why creation is yearning for the revelation of the children of God. Mountains and trees and squirrels and the clouds and all that. They don't get to know God other than through you. You are his image and likeness in this space between the upper and lower waters. Isaiah 45 says, truly you are the God who hides, right? He is hidden, but he makes himself manifest in man because it's man's vocation to make him manifest. That's why we're churches, you know? We are, our bodies are temples. We bring God, we make him manifest. I love how uh, Patrick Rice says this. Uh, I've heard him say it and it just changed my life. Um, he's from Encounter Ministries. He said, um, when you walk in the room, what was impossible before you got there is now possible because you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You're a temple. So Our Lady says that. So, uh, you know, um, my soul magnifies the Lord. So for you, for you um, this ministry, Shadow in the Water, is a, is a movement of the Lord to restore us to, that, to the fullness of that identity. And how that actually has real-time implications for what God wants to do in the room when you are there. Uh, this is how evangelization, the, the demonstrating the power of God, which confirms the message that Jesus is who he says he is, and you are who he says you are, and that he has his desires to give you his righteousness is to give you his holiness, his right relationship with the Father. He wants to give you. And he wants to give to the people that you meet through you. That, and then you know, demonstrating that in power through healing and prophecy and um, you know, the gifts of the Spirit. The whole world is going to come to know who God is through us. It's not going to happen any other way because it was meant to be that way from the beginning. He made us as his image, his shadow on the water. Tzalem. Praise the Lord. I, I love this day. Our, I love Our Lady and how Mary, the mother of Jesus, who, why, who she is and how in, fat, um, in Fatima she gave us the recipe, you know, through prayer and um, offering little sacrifices and uh, uh, communions of reparation, things like that. She offered us the remedy for the, for the isms you know, that are, that are trying to destroy humanity, communism, materialism, modernism, atheism, uh, you name it. Um, and the Our Lady of Fatima, and then how they had on this, this day, May 13th, 1981, John Paul II is bending over. He's overshadowing this little girl dressed as Our Lady. You have this image there, this wonderful image of the fullness of being human, uh, to be, um, like Our Lady, to be a gate of heaven, whose soul magnifies the Lord, overshadowed with uh, the Father, 
symbolized by John Paul II. Isn't that gorgeous? And then, um, and of course, the enemy, the isms tried to destroy it unsuccessfully. And um, so you have that today. And then, uh, and this is the fullness of who you are. You are a shadow on the water. You are God's image. And he is going to break in to, you are actually the answer for your family. You're the answer for your community. You're the answer for everything that's going on wrong in the world out there. And for you don't have to devise a plan or a strategy and go out and execute it. That may be part of things later, but what you need to do, what we need to do proactively is to come into the fullness, be transfigured by the renewal of our minds, come into the fullness of what we already have. Take hold of what we've already received. Take hold of what we've already received and step into that. Or You don't even have to step into it. You're already in it. But let it be renewed in your mind in, in the power of what you are because we have everything we need. We lack nothing. We just don't know it. We have to come into the, the fullness of it by um, through the renewal of our mind, as St. Paul says, be transfigured through the renewal of your minds. Remember, transfigured. It's the same word as the transfiguration in Greek. Be transfigured. Jesus was transfigured there and became shining with light. So as through the renewal of your mind, you will also be transfigured and you will shine like a high beam in the world around you. Because you will make God manifest. That's your vocation as a man. You will make God present as Our Lady did. And the, the hearts of the people who hear your voice will leap within them for joy. Who am I that the daughter or son of my Lord should enter into my, under my roof? For the moment I heard your greeting, my heart within me leapt for joy. The world is yearning and pining for it. And the answer is not for them to um, come and uh, to get to join something or, or, or be ministered to by somebody else. It's you. There's just you. That's it. To come into the fullness, be transfigured by the renewal of your mind. You will shine like a beacon for the kingdom of God. Oh, praise the Lord. I just appreciate you spending this time with me. I can't wait for the next time. We're going to do regular podcasts. Um, uh, please support us at shadowonthewater.com. There's a donate button. Uh, also join the online mentoring community. There'll be lots of material for you there and regular uh, live Zooms and prayer. Uh, we're also, I also, we also uh, offer pilgrimages. So um, please join us. Pilgrimage is awesome. Talk about a launching point into this new relationship with the Lord. We just go and spend time. We go to Medjugorje most of the time, but we also go to other places like the Holy Land and uh, uh, Rome and uh, knock and things like that but uh, mostly Medjugorje we go we spend time together we pray we have renewal of the mind we we encounter the power of God there are miraculous healings I mean we uh, just come face to face with the fullness and we give ourselves time and space outside of our usual daily sort of our, our narrow lens of reality you know back in our normal life you go on pilgrimage you get out of yourself and give God an opportunity give yourself an opportunity to see everything in a new way uh, people all, always ask me, why, why go on pilgrimage? I mean, Jesus is here. Why do I have to go there to find Jesus? I'm like, and it, my answer is this. It's not a problem with the presence of Jesus. The problem is with you. You need to get out of your normal life so you can experience him in a new way because 
you're locked in your little lens and it's not getting you anywhere. <laughs> so it's not, it's not a, a lack of the presence of God. When you leave and go on pilgrimage, you encounter him in a new and powerful way. You give him an opportunity, speak into you in a new and powerful way. And then you come home and you realize and value the treasure of the presence of God you have around you in your own parish and the sacraments and the people around you. So it's very, very powerful. So we invite you to do that as well. Well, God bless you. And uh, until next time, this is Mike Nolan with Shadow on the Water. Music